This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young. We're all on silver stars. She rolled her hair with my lipstick on. In a glass of covered Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. I am once again joined by another phenomenal guest here on my show, Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. So before I turn it over to unscripted dialogue with my guest, Kyle Cease, as I always do, I'm just going to plug a little bit about Kyle and his background. Who's Kyle? Well, what I can tell you about Kyle is that he is an American actor, comedian, and motivational speaker. Kyle began performing comedy at the age of 12 years old. He was a regular in comedy clubs at 15 and a headliner at the age of 18. While still keeping residence in Bothell, Washington, his hometown, he was cast as Bogey Lowenstein in the 1999 movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. Right after the film, Cease moved to L.A., Two years later, he was featured in Not Another Teen Movie as the Slow Clapper. In the same year, he released his first CD, Wait Your Turn. He has made appearances on the Martin Short Show, One on One, Tuned Up, VH1's Super Secret Movie Rules, and in 2005, the movie The Handjob. Kyle has released a DVD of his nationwide tour called One Dimple. The DVD contains a road documenting commentary and a performance clip of him on Premium Blend. He was also on Chelsea Lately and other shows that featured his off-the-cuff style. C spent his 20s touring thousands of colleges, comedy clubs, and more. In 2010, C released another Comedy Central album entitled I Highly Recommend This to Great Reviews. Cassis had a Comedy Central Presents special in 2006. He has had hundreds of TV and movie appearances in different commercials, sitcoms, and late night shows, etc. In 2007, Cease had a one-hour Comedy Central special called Weirder, Blacker, Dimpler. Kyle was ranked number one on Comedy Central Stand-Up Showdown in 2009. In 2010, C started combining his comedy with speaking on transformation, the art of allowing getting out of stage fright and learning to let go. Now as a transformational comedian, Cease has been a guest speaker at colleges, summits, and Fortune 500 conferences, including AGAP International, Gate, Revelation, Sun Valley Wellness Festival, Sedona World Wisdom Days and the Longevity Now Conference, amongst others. He speaks comedically at seminars, corporate events, and college lectures, helping people to let go of their fears and anxieties to become more connected to the moment. Cease now performs at his Evolving Out Loud events, where he provides attendees with motivational impromptu talks. He has a book coming out in 2016 with Beyond Words Publishing. Wow, Kyle, thank you so much for taking time out of that crazy schedule for joining me today in my list. Listeners, how are you? <laughs> you <laughs> nailed you nailed like all like everything. You might as well have just said he also was in home movies in nineteen eighty five where you can see him <laughs> opening a Christmas present from his parents. 
<laughs> you had so many things in there. That was insane. Well, it's just like, for you've been that. busy. You've been busy. There's so much yeah. to uh, to relay here to the listeners. So I just want to say, on a personal note, I'm very quite selective of who I choose to invite to come on my radio show. And I have been following you forever. And I just have to say that I absolutely love everything about you. Everything about you, what you stand for. Yeah, and I, I mean that sincerely. And what I love the most, and you can tell me if this is you that's actually coined this term, uh, but for me it's synonymous with you, is you are what you love and not what loves you. Um, that, well, yes and no. I did not coin that term, but I have an adaptation of what happened since that. In other words, that, um, that I, weirdly, that term came from the movie Adaptation. Um, but what, but what happened to me was an experience that was so profound and weirdly that was what my shift ended up being. And then I ended up accidentally seeing that movie and, um, at the exact time when I was learning it. And then I understood like wall to wall embodied what that meant. So the, the actual sentence is from the movie adaptation, but what, happened and that the video that got 27 million views every other word in that movie is uh, me talking about what that really means and understanding it because um whenever we're nervous or want to do anything whenever we're trying to do anything to get somebody to like us whenever we're you know over preparing because we want to get it perfect whenever we're nervous before we go into a job interview or on a date we are falsely being what was conditioned into us that who we are is what people think about us. And we're under the illusion that we are a slave to them. If we don't do this the right way, then we aren't enough and we'll die is actually the underlying thing that ego thinking. But if you go back to your childhood, all you are is what you love doing. You knew what you wanted to be when you grew up. You were just always playing. You didn't care what people thought about you. You just did you. And that's our natural state. And weirdly, the shift that happened for me was, it, it's, it's so funny because I got to update that bio because I am so not even into motivation because motivation to me is when I think I'm going to make that thing happy, happen and when I'm going to use force and, and make something happen. And the shift that I had was it's not when something happens, I'll be happy. It's when I'm happy, things will happen. And... Mm-hmm. um so for me, I ended up letting go of motivation and just going back to doing what I wanted to do in any given moment. And weirdly, everything in my life has molded around that. It's just been the most insane experience to let go of force, let go of trying to make something happen, let go of fear, let go of, and instead moving into only what excites me and being that child, but as a grown up, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's the shift for me. Well, I'm going to say a couple things because like you and being a creative person, I always have a multitude of simultaneous thoughts that are competing to come out of my mouth at the same time. So sure. the one thing the one thing that I will say is I love the parallels between us and this is probably why you've resonated with me. Um you know, my books that I talk about, it's all about re-embracing, rediscovering your inner child. Because like you, I totally agree and have spoken quite often on this subject matter with other fellow guests, 
is, you know, it is exactly in that childlike state that we're our most curious, our most wondrous. We take most risks. We're our most trusting. We're our most happy. There's nothing contrived or embellished or scripted about being in the moment. And somewhere along the line, as we both know, evolving into adulthood and having to be more accountable and more responsibilities and, you know, being at the beck and call in different times of our life at, at the mercy of other people and scheduling and bosses and all that. Yeah, you, you kind of do. Your, 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 the sail comes out of your wind and the wind comes out of your sails and, and you get a little bit deflated and all of a sudden you start to go, okay, well, you know, how come I'm not necessarily enjoying my life anymore? How come I feel like I'm doing the daily grind and it's a rat race and now it's about obligation and it's about keeping up with the Joneses, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact yeah. that, you know, you talk about that, that's very synonymous and very much aligned with what I write about and what I talked about at Harvard last summer. And, um, you know, and I just, again, with my brand being living fearlessly, you know, maybe you can extrapolate a little bit for the listeners to the degree uh, outside of what you've already kindly mentioned, Kyle. You know, what does that mean for you living fearlessly in a nutshell? Um, well, I think what's fascinating is most people think fear, um, and of course we always, there, there's two types of fear. There's the fear that you're about to step into what you want to step into. And then there's just the unnecessary holding on fear. Like if you're just in a job you don't want to be in, you're you're just making your life hell. And and you don't need to be in it. And people go, yeah, well, I got to make money. And what they don't understand is when you do the thing you want to do and you step out of the thing you don't want to do, you will align with yourself more. And in that alignment, you will come up with instant creative ideas that make so much more money. People don't understand how much money they're losing by staying in a job they don't like. And then not only that, but in that money that comes in, spending it on addictions because there's a calling in you that you're ignoring. And the second you ignore the calling that you have in you, your mind gets in its head and it has to explain itself. And when you're in your head, you need an addiction to get you back into the moment. And so living fearlessly is um, just really living, honestly. It's just, it's not like fearlessly, it's just un. Uh, you know, fear is this unnecessary thing. In fact, the more that we step into what we want to step into, the only thing that's scary is it's not scary to you. It's scary to the old story of you. Mm. If you are someone who makes $40,000 a year and you think that's who you are, you actually create this false identity. And by the way, this isn't at all about money. I'm just using that as a measurable example right now. But yeah. this applies to everything, relationships and health and everything like that. So, if you're someone who thinks who you are is someone who makes $40,000 a year and that's who you are, then if someone offered you a million dollars, that's actually death to the story of who you are. You're going to sabotage it. And actually, most of us are just doing everything we can to stay at a level of mediocrity. And people say it's really hard to be successful and empowered and in their, their body it's way harder to live the way most people live. It's way harder to live against the grain of your soul. They live uh, constantly in a state of pain and addiction and, you know, all this different thing. So, Bingo. Yeah. And to me, every second you have two voices in you. And this is how it works. So there's the first voice that says, we should leave this company or we should ask that person out or we should go write a book. And you can feel that voice in your body. That voice can't tell you why because you've never done it. 
That voice can't tell you the specifics of what will happen if you do. Your mind has nothing to grab onto other than you can feel this amazing feeling in your body that says, when you step into this, it's going to be amazing. Now, what we've trained ourselves to do is ignore that feeling in our body, that next step, that voice that says, go to Italy right now, write a book. It's just this thing that can't tell you why. But if it can tell you why, then it, it only says it from past evidence, right? And that feeling is a preview. It's saying when you step into this, you'll always feel this way. But we've trained ourselves to ignore that and find in our mind through a series of thoughts that we've learned from society and our parents and schooling and all kinds of other stuff why we shouldn't. And so the first voice says, go leave this company. And then we go to our mind. It comes up with the stupidest reason why we should stay. And that's what we listen to. So the voice goes, leave this company. And the second voice goes, yeah, but if we do, we can't go to the Cheesecake Factory party next Thursday. <laughs> and... And the first voice can't tell you this, but it's like, if you'd learned to listen to me, you could own all the cheesecake factories in a month and you could make them all <laughs> vegan if you wanted. And the first voice is like, yeah, but they have those Thai lettuce wraps and blah, blah, blah. So if you've ever, if you've ever stayed in a relationship too long because you knew that eventually you guys are going to be going camping, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, I don't want to be with this person, but in three months we're going camping. So I'm going to stay hating this person and then I'll hate him when we go camping. Right. Then, you know, so we train ourselves to listen to a fear-based voice and become addicted to a false fear-based voice so that we can stay the old us. And the reason we want to do that is because we've associated to ourselves that we get love for being the old story. Like mm -hmm. if I speak out, maybe in my childhood, if you spoke up and said who you are, your dad yelled at you, right? Or if you, you know, if you really listen to what you wanted to do. Your parents said, you got to be realistic. So you decided I'm going to be quote, whatever they think realistic is to keep getting love from your parents. So you actually have wired in your body that if you go step into your power, it's death to the lack of getting love from your parents. And if you actually just step into the calling that, that part of you actually goes away. That fear goes away. That old story goes away. And most of us are walking around like we're five-year-olds that are still worried about being abandoned from our parents. But instead of our parents, it's our boss or our, our friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we get a lot of connection and love for not being in our natural effortless power because we think unconsciously the highest form of love we can get is from outside of us. And when you actually step into your gift, you discover that your mind was only scared because your mind could only measure what it would lose, and it would never see what it would gain. And when you stepped into it, you get out of the relationship that doesn't align, or you get out of the story that doesn't fulfill you, then you move in to create the space for you to get into the one that does. But you couldn't do it while you were in it, because you were saying that's who you were. Mm -hmm. And you were overlooking all the great opportunities that were there. Is that making sense? Absolutely. Well, it, for for me, it does. You know, for me, you're preaching to the preacher. And because I've been following you for as long as I have, I'm very clear on what your message is. So the way in which you choose to articulate it and the metaphors that you use, it's it's explained brilliantly. And again, I consider you part of my tribe, like-minded, like-spirited people. So I, I totally get your mm -hmm. message. Um, awesome. So let me let yeah, let me ask you this. 
this then, Kyle. You know, it's not uncommon for the majority of my guests who have appeared on my show, and we've I've had some pretty top-tier stellar guests, and the one common denominator, the one thing that they all seem to share in common, uh, not unlike myself, is that the people who tend to become the most crystallized, clear in their thinking, in their being, in their living, in their being present and truly embracing life, seeing it for the gift it is and maximizing their potential and uh, just morphing into, uh, you know, grandiose, momentous, just just stepping into it. So, you know, not unlike myself, I guess, I would be curious to know for yourself for people to to evolve into that level of awareness, self-awareness, not only does that come from a lot of inner work, a lot of uh, rejection, a lot of abandonment, you know, people who tend to have the biggest plate of crap are the ones who tend to push through the wall a little bit quicker or a little bit harder. So do you care to share with us? If there was some defining moment in your life, call it some of the examples you prefaced about, you know, having to deprogram, deconstruct what perhaps school or your parents or the things that we negatively associate, what we still cling to in our lives that breed fear and consumption. You know, is there a defining moment for you of what you've gone through that, that allows you to be where you are delivering this particular message today? Well, one thing I really want to share and stress so much that is so important is Yes, a lot of times when we have those crushing moments, we come out of it. Um, but everybody has the choice of moving into it without looking for it. And I only say that because I've had some clients in my life and people that I've worked with recently that believe that they have to find a negative situation so that they can overcome it. <laughs> and so I know people that have gotten in situations that are the – they go, well, you got to – you got to, to find who you are, you got to build muscle. It's like going to the gym. And then they create a sabotaging situation, like a sabotaging relationship or whatever. And to me, that's like going into the gym and then eating a bunch of candy so that you can get fit. And, I, and, and it's like going backwards. And so it's really important that you understand that life will create challenges no matter what. And our mm-hmm. job is to only follow the most exciting, highest, expansive calling, the thing that our mind can't make sense of but our body feels, and that feels exciting, that feels fulfilling, that feels, uh, I don't understand why, but I would walk into a mystery here. Um, and I only say that because so many people, I've, I've seen people go, well, I have an issue with money, so I guess what I'm going to do is just go to Vegas and spend it all. No, that's not facing your issue. That's, right. That's, that's creating an issue. Yes. And and so, um, yeah, I've had many many uh, things happen, and and what life has been like for me now is just really learning to follow that leap. And so, in my childhood, I started doing stand up when I was 12 years old, and um, doing it professionally at 15, and then at 19, uh, 18, I was a, a headliner and 19 doing the movie 10 things i hate about you and then i moved to la and i started associating that without knowing it that i get a lot of love for being a comedian and because of that i thought my identity is who i am as a comedian mm-hmm. and um i at one point did about a, i'm not kidding i did about a thousand colleges in my 20s and um Wow. What happened was at one point, I yeah, every flight, you know, every day you'd have two or three flights a day to get to the next one. 
and and, and it was exhausted. It was, it was it made me exhausted, but I was almost oblivious to it because I was so excited too. But I had no attention to myself at all, and I had a full connection to go to the next gig, go to the next gig, make a lot of money you know, party and then get to the next gig. And there was just no sleep for for about a year. <laughs> and and it was a crazy experience. And um, I, there's two parts of the story. I think I'm going to focus more on the second one because it's, um, it's deeper and easier to, it's faster. So in the first one's like just crazy. But basically at one point I was on stage in 2005 and I just started thinking to myself, out of nowhere, while I'm on stage, I just started thinking to myself, sabotaging thoughts. And the reason was because in 2004, I had done so much that I got very good at doing stand-up. I could do my act in my sleep, and I wasn't creating any new material. And I really believe that if you don't keep creating, your mind will creatively sabotage you. Mm-hmm. Your mind, when we get negative thoughts and anxieties and fear-based things, that's just because we're geniuses and we're not steering our ship. You have this insanely powerful shift, and most of us move so mediocrity that our uh, me- mediocrity—is that the word I want? That our mind is doing every is is trying to create a sabotaging thing, so you'll do something amazing. So mm-hmm. if you are brilliant and you're working at a job that doesn't sustain you, and you're spending eight hours a day doing that, your mind is going to come up with anxiety writing things because it's trying to create a challenge. And you're not creating anything challenging for it, anything really exciting. So out of nowhere, I went on stage, and I was just bored. And I was doing my act, and I was killing on the outside, but inside my mind just started sabotaging me. And it thought, I wonder if you could think about it enough, if you could make yourself faint. And right when I thought that, I got dizzy, and I started my mind started going, oh, my goodness, like, that's you could. Like, I could keep thinking about this, and then I would faint when I'm on stage, and no one would love me anymore. And it was like... The entire thing, and all of a sudden my mind unwound from me, and I got my first anxiety. And the anxiety turned into stage fright. Mm -hmm. And eventually, this sounds insane, but every second in 2005, all I was thinking of was, I'm scared that I'm going to faint when I'm on stage. And it ended up being so crippling that I couldn't walk anymore. Wow. (laughs) And. And it was just, it sounds insane to people that haven't maybe had anxiety this way. But it was so legitimate for me. And my mind's belief was, you can't not think about something. So I'm going to keep thinking about this until this happens. And it will ruin my comedy career. And the other thing I thought is who I am as a comedian. So if if my comedy career falls apart, then I fall apart. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not worth anything then either. So this made me get tempted to commit suicide. This made me think, you know, really, really dark, deep, painful thoughts and be completely lost. And uh, while I was at the height of this total emergency space, I booked my first Comedy Central appearance with three months' notice and then spent every second thinking, what if I faint on that show? I'm going to faint on the show, and it's going to ruin my one chance. I've worked 15 years at this point for my comedy career, and I finally got the thing, and I'm going to faint on it, and it'll ruin my career. So this this is where I created a situation that was so big and bad that I finally bought my first self help book. <laughs> that was when I got Tony Rob. <laughs> yes, Tony. That, yeah. So Tony, Tony, I learned. Okay, yes, you can't not think about something, 
but you also can't think of two things at the same time. So if you focus on what you do want, this is basic level one to two, kind of the secret kind of thinking, right? Like move yourself beyond your uh, – you can steer your thoughts, basically. Mm-hmm. This isn't where I live now. I live in a totally different area, but this is the beginning. So, so I just started thinking to myself, oh, my mind wanted a challenge. It wants something – really big. So I got to think of something big. So I just started thinking instead of I'm going to faint when I'm on stage, how can I have the number one Comedy Central special? How can I have the highest rated Comedy Central special? And it was a challenge and it was suddenly so exciting. And I started dancing around the house and picturing that I had the number one special and waking up every morning at six and taking my mind to the gym and then like for an hour just saying, okay, I can see myself with the number one special. And within the first 10 minutes of that, the anxiety went away. Touch me three months later, and I do a set, and I'm totally able to walk again. I'm confident. I got all healthy, and I had the number one Comedy Central special. It actually was. And then um, I spent three years in that state where I was in the state of focusing on what I do want. Mm-hmm. And that was very fun, and it was cool. I was able to achieve a ton of things. And this was really exciting. And so I was able to focus on how can I have the number one special? How can I be named comic of the year? How can I get this type of person in my life? It was great. And that's the second stage where you go, this whole thing is run by me. Mm -hmm. Now there are people that can achieve massive things and are not happy. That does exist. And the reason is because there's something that they're missing and they're under a big illusion. And that's what I was saying earlier. The illusion that they're under is when something happens, I'll be happy. So we're constantly in the future saying, when I get this thing, when I get this thing. And then you have this giant achiever person that's not happy, but they're achieving things. So that's where I ended up. So to get from the first stage to the second stage, Michael Beckwith talks about this. You have to release blame, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to get from the second stage to the third stage, guess what you have to release? There's a third stage on this. Fear. I don't know if you have a guess. You have to release control. Oh, okay. Because in, in the first stage to the second stage, I did change my circumstances, and I did have the number one Comedy Central special, but I still r- was run by my circumstances. I could just change them. Does this make sense? In other words, I'm I'm still my identity is that who I am as a comedian in that situation. Mm-hmm. So the third stage happened when... I started teaching aspiring comics how to do stand-up, and I was like the Tony Robbins of the comedy scene. And Louis Anderson partnered with me, the famous comedian, mm-hmm. and we started teaching aspiring comics how to, to do stand-up. Well, what happened was I forgot that comedians are very cynical. And, <laughs> they, and we live in a world where if you do anything positive, everyone thinks you're in a cult. You could just be like, hey, it's pretty outside. And they're like, what are you, a Scientologist? And you're like, I just said it's nice outside. <laughs> you're like, I think she's kind of cool. Well, someone's drinking the Kool-Aid. Okay. Right. So why, why am I in a cult and the people that are watching beer commercials daily and eating horrible food aren't? I don't. Um, but so what happened after that was I would find out through the grapevine that a different peer of mine or a comedian that didn't see what we were doing um, would talk crap about me, would say negative things. And I'll never forget the day when I was sitting with Louie Anderson and I said, I want to get over what people think about me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is, but I'm ready to get over it. I really want to face this thing. And literally about a half hour later, 
someone goes, hey, someone sent me an email and said, hey, you con man. It said, I read the blog that this other comedian wrote about you. And I looked, I clicked the link, and there's a blog that a very dark comedian wrote about me who didn't know who I was. He didn't know anything about me. And in the, in the blog, he painted a picture of how I must be scamming comics and saying, like, I'm going to teach you how to be funny. And spelling apps totally inaccurately, but that were these, these slimy, scammy people. And the blog went viral. Wow. So among the comics, the blog suddenly went viral, and all of a sudden all these comics were going, stay away from Kyle Cease. What they didn't know is I wasn't making any money doing that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I was really enjoying it. There was a real excitement, and comics that went to the thing were totally shifting. But what he didn't know was that that was going on, but he painted this picture like, I must be scamming people. And what happened for me was crazy after that because I just said, I want to get over what people think about me. And now I get to face it all the way. So, for instance, there's so many many things going on in our world, and we want to grow and we want to expand. And we think that we know how we want to expand. So there's certain people that wanted a certain candidate or certain candidates to win in the election, right? They were so excited about that we should expand this way. But... The one that did get elected, there's a way that some people are growing even faster now because circumstances aren't the way that they want them. And so a lot of the world is growing even faster because things are not the way that they wanted it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very egoic to think we know the way that we're supposed to grow. <laughs> yes. And I, right? And I just yes. said I want to get over what people, I, I, I just said I want to get over what people think about me. And now all of a sudden, 100,000 comics have an opinion of me that's negative. And so I call down to the car that was going to take me to the airport, and I tell it to go without me, and I decided to sit in the hotel for six days. Hmm. And I felt my body like a hurricane just doing everything it could to fix this problem. Because the most I knew was that second stage. So at first my mind was coming in and going, we'll have another number one Comedy Central special, and we'll prove it this way, and we'll... Mm-hmm. That's trying to fix the circumstance versus releasing yourself from the circumstance versus yes. you don't you don't have to change the circumstance versus not owning it. So my mind for the first four days went crazy in the hotel. It was like, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I was just saving my life every second. And then on day four, um, I'll never forget what happened. I, I'm sitting in the hotel and my mind is just going crazy. It's going, what if we did this? What if we did this? And I'm just looking at my mind, and I realize my mind has been saving my life for four days while I've been sitting in a hotel room. In other words, I've not been in danger, but my mind was creating danger and then fixing it. Like, my mind was seeing all the danger of all these comics later and then creating how it's going to fix this. But really, the truth was, I'm just a dude sitting in a hotel room. (laughs) And And I saw my mind going nuts with all these fix-it things and going, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. And then I looked at my mind, and all of a sudden I was separate from my mind. Mm -hmm. My mind was going crazy, and I was the one looking at my mind. And I realized my mind, my story, my thoughts, everything about me, my identity, all of my comedy central success, all of my fame, everything that I've ever had is not who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm somebody sitting in a hotel room. That's it. (laughs) And... I realized everything's fine, and all of my mind's identification dropped off of me. I felt this intense pain and weight fall, 
And then I was in total bliss, and I stared at the wall for five hours, just like Beautiful. Okay, a few things. I, there's a few things I need to say to this. Um, so one, I, I want to first of all thank you very much for being candid and raw. Going back to some of what you said uh, minutes ago, you know about feeling suicidal and things like that, because that's often something that's come out of the mouths of my guests. Um, you know, and people don't necessarily know those details. People just glean, you know, their overnight they perceive overnight success. And don't realize that it comes with a lot of heartache. It comes with a lot of introspection. It comes with a lot of digging deep and working on yourself. So I want to say thank you very much for sharing that with myself and the listeners. Secondly, I want to say, you know, again, this is why I'm very drawn to you, Kyle, and why you have the following that you do is because, you know, again, I, I this is something that I, I said in my Harvard speech in July and I say it quite regularly uh, on radio, and that is my belief is once you become the conduit and you choose to tap into your pain, that turning into then passion, then you figure out what your purpose is, and that's where I feel things get released. And we talk oftentimes about being very mindful of the mindset that you have, that coming back to your inner real dialogue, how you choose to talk to yourself, that in turn navigates to what direction you either go in or you don't because you're impeded and you're blocked. So, you know, we might use different languaging to say the same thing, but again, this is why you resonate with me. The third thing, and this is a question for you, Kyle. So my former sister-in-law, you might actually know her. She's pretty big in L.A. She's a stand-up. Uh, she was actually the voice of Tool in the recent movie that just came out, Storks, Katie Crown. And um, <clears throat> I don't know if you know Katie, but um, What's she, her name? Katie Crown. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, she's become quite big. She had been sought out as a, a writer for Saturday Night Live some years ago, and she actually turned it down. And when she first got established in L.A., um, she was staying with uh, Zach Gall. I can never say his last name. Zach Galifianakis, or but anyway. So she's done yeah, quite well, and she, yes. And I, I I mention her only for the fact that you know she's been very public, and she has been since almost the inception of her career. Uh, and just in in conversations I've had with her one on one about the fact that there is a lot of anxiety with comedians, and you know oftentimes people think that they're the most hilarious people on the world, on the planet. Uh, in in many cases they are, but it comes from a place of darkness, and it's it's tapping into the darkness and turning it into a form of brightness. So if that's your gift, if that's your passion, that's what you're emitting to people because you're trying to pay it forward, be of service, and give something back, knowing that we're all humans, so we all suffer with different things at different stages in our lives. And so what I would like to ask you, Kyle, and I I think I kind of know the answer based on some of what you were very uh, transparent and sharing with us, and I really appreciate honesty and your candidness, is, you know, do you find in amongst your peers, your colleagues within comedy that a lot of people are typically quite depressed or there is a lot of anxiety or panic disorders uh, and this is just something that they've pushed through? Well, I left the comedy scene in 20, uh, 2011. Um, yeah? I, yeah, there was a, right after the shift that I had um, that, I was, that I was telling you about, I started realizing that um, life isn't about motivation or figuring out anything. 
it's about letting go of everything that doesn't align with you. Yeah. And letting go. And when you do that, you actually prove to yourself that you're safe by letting go of these things that you're holding on to to keep your old story alive. And in 2011, at one point, I had this moment in me where I said, um, first I said, I want to go raw vegan. This all ties into the answer of your story, by the way. But first I said, I want to see what 90 days of raw vegan would be like. And so I announced to the public, I said, I'm going to go raw vegan for 90 days. And then I went for the first 30 days, my body started, the first 10 days, my body was letting go of so much. And then after that, all of a sudden, I started changing my habits and realizing that I was craving really healthy food. And when someone walked by me with a hot dog, all I smelled was chemicals and metal and stuff like that. And I actually noticed I changed my habits. So I started going, what else feels heavy? So then I said, no Facebook for a while. And then I said, no dating for a while. And all of a sudden, I had insane insights and the most effortless success happening. And then I at one point said, no more comedy clubs. And I looked into a camera on while I was doing the 90 days, and I said, I'm officially done doing comedy clubs on the road. And right when I said that, three auditions went into my phone that second. We had this on tape. It was the craziest moment because wow. I hadn't had an audition for three weeks. And it felt like I just made space for um, something. And then what was really crazy was the following week would have been in a comedy club on the road. But instead I was home and I created an alignment for myself that I'm in a space where things are so big that I don't even need to be a headliner in a comedy club anymore. And when I thought that, I was like, so what do I want to do? And my body just was naturally coming up with everything. It said, well, I could do, I do still do, love doing comedy and it said, and I love transformation. And I was like, what if I combine those? And my ego went, well, no one's ever done that. And then my soul went, no one's ever done that. So I was like, what if I combine comedy and transformation? Mm-hmm. And this all still ties into the answer to your question, by the way, because this is so crazy important. Because yes. what happened was, I was like, okay, well, I'll combine comedy and transformation. And I said, okay, what if I do the lecture circuits at colleges as a com- comedic, you know, transformational speaker? And I said, okay, so why don't I make a video for all the colleges that I performed at by name each? So that week, I made 500 videos, oh. each for a different, each for a different person by name. So I was like, "Hey, this is Kyle Steve. This is a message for Diane Johnson at North Idaho University. This is, you know, I'm doing transformation and, I, and comedy. I'd love to do it at your school." And I made 500 videos and sent it out that week. And all my friends said, "You're crazy. You could be headlining a comedy club this week for like three grand." Well, the following week, about a hundred of the colleges called back and said yes and then they booked me at 10,000 each and all of a sudden I was getting booked for much more money it was like a million bucks came in because I was doing what my gift was Mm -hmm. and letting go of what was heavy and comics are geniuses they (laughs) they are they're brilliant people but we've trained ourselves to make fun of life and comedy a lot of times is making fun of what is and transformation is accepting what is. So there's an amazing paradox in comedy and transformation because, um, and that's why it's so exciting to people because when you make one negative and one positive together, it makes a paradox that's so gorgeous. Like for instance, a rainbow is rain and sun together, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's so many examples of this, but, um, 
comedy, a lot of times in the comedy clubs, was that one paradigm I experienced of making fun of everything. And people often doubted anything that seemed positive and made fun of that thing, too. And people forget to doubt their own doubts. Like, what if we doubt our own cynicism? What if we make fun of our darkness in a lighthearted way? And what if we accept our darkness but still make fun of it? And so for me, the shift became accepting all of myself, not leaving my darkness, but loving my darkness, like mm-hmm. accepting all of it. And um, so I still love that cynicism in me, and I still love comics, and I still love that voice um, much more. It's just not an addiction to me. It's just I accept it and love it, and that transcended it. But I haven't been in a comedy club um in since 2011, and instead we do our Evolving Out Loud events now in 1,400-seat theaters, and we're probably going to do it at the Nokia Theater this year, which is 7,100 seats. Wow. And, uh, yeah, our February event's already sold out, and, um, you know, I'm getting more offers to tour this way in much bigger theaters, for and the, and the audience that showed up was totally in alignment with my voice. Mm-hmm. And when you sacrifice and let go of the people that don't align with you and find what you really believe in and make that your best friend, then the, the right people that also believe in that align with you too. Absolutely. And you have a diehard following because you're true to who you are and you created your own voice, your own, your own niche, everything mm-hmm. just by making sure that when you're authentic with what you know is true, no one else knows that thing, and you have a feeling and a calling in you no one else can feel. And when you make that calling and that excitement and that thing your number one thing, you will only find friends and love lovers and partners and agents and everything in your life that only align with that thing, too. And you, it, it's great. So that was my shift. Well, you're giving me goosebumps. Wow. Like you just, I, I just love, I could listen to you all day, Kyle. I absolutely could listen to you all day. It just, everything you say penetrates me in such a way. It just rea- and, and not that I need reaffirmation. Um, but again, as you say, when you get exceptionally clear and you release all this stuff and you, you find what works for you and you step into it by releasing, yeah. you know, everything that is meant to align aligns and Right now you're talking about my life and I talk about tribe all the time and I talk about like-minded people and soul stirrers and people who are just top of their game because they are so clear and they're so authentically them. And it's really just about honoring who you are. So I, I yeah. just, I love all the yummy stuff that you're imparting with myself and the listeners. Um, and you know, one question that I oftentimes do ask, not all the time, but uh, I do sometimes my guess is what is the legacy you feel that you will leave behind? This is going to sound so weird, but I would say that there's just no part of me. I mean, that it does linger every once in a while, but there isn't a part of me thinking that as much as it's not even thinking in a goal sense or how I'm going to change the world as much as much more excited about getting completely out of my, out of the way of myself and what the Mm -hmm. next step is that day. So like every, every day, like, we always are going, what's the next calling that will make me even more of what I really am? And sometimes it's letting go of something heavy. Sometimes it's stepping into something huge. Sometimes it's whatever. 
But the reason I do it isn't for the external results. It's for what I feel and become inside. Mm -hmm. And so the byproduct is it gives permission to other people to do that because all I'm doing is stepping into the truth of what we are, Mm -hmm. the best that I can, and that's available for all of us. And I guess as a byproduct, if we are more in our bodies after I leave, that feels amazing because in your body, you stop doing addictive things as much. You stop hurting the planet as much. You listen to what your body wants to eat, what it wants to do, what it wants to feel, and you're taken care of on such a higher level. And it's so funny and bizarre how much we hold on to things out of fear we'll lose certain things, friends, our health, our money, whatever, and how much when you just step into what you want to do and what you are, and when you just fully love every part of yourself, every single thing comes back times a million. Your yes. health, your income, your everything. And and you bizarrely are in love with what you're doing, so you don't have any addictive – you don't need to go to happy hour. You don't need to <laughs> – You know, you don't need to escape your work. Your work is your most exciting thing. And um, so I'm really excited about what I'm doing right and what I am right now and Mm -hmm. what I'm becoming right now. And I think the less that I'm focused on the legacy, the better the legacy will be. Love that answer. Love that answer. I've never had anybody say that. I absolutely love that answer because that answer pretty much walks the talk of everything else that you've said, shared, and what you stand for. So, wow. 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 (laughs) So, for for the listeners, yes. So, for the listeners, um, because, you know, I do this for the listeners, and I'm very – it's very important to me that people get – value out of the content and this has been nothing but valuable content here and insight so for anybody who's perhaps sitting on the fence in their own lives what are what is the the couple of two three things that you would be able to very easily suggest to them to help give them that gentle nudge well if you're on the fence what that really means is you're under the illusion that there's a way to go and that your happiness comes from a certain way Mm-hmm. And your ego loves to create a split in your mind to distract you from your heart. And instead of picking a direction, actually go into your heart first. So actually feel your body. And people go, well, if I do, I might not do the leap then and whatever, whatever. There's Because there's a level even deeper that has every single answer in it. And most of us are trying to do things from our head. And our head only understands things from what it's seen so far. So I spent all of last year sitting with my eyes closed for two hours a day before I started anything, kind of a meditation. There was no nothing in it that was like, you know, ohm or hold your hands a certain way, just me sitting with my eyes closed. And I found my heart. I found everything that I'm trying to figure out is a lie because everything we're trying to figure out is us saying, what's the right way so that my parent will love me? And we can know that no matter what you do, you're fine. All ways are fine. And when people feel that, that might take the pressure off of the decision and make them feel the, you know, the real mantra could just be screw it. (laughs) Go do what you want to do because no matter what, you're fine all the way. Mm -hmm. And, and even if you stay in the wrong situation, what's so cool about the universe is it'll keep kicking your butt until you move into the right one. Mm -hmm. So, you can opt for staying in something that doesn't align with you, 
but you're aware deep down more and more that it doesn't align with you. So you're going to sabotage yourself more and more, and the universe will keep kicking your butt until you get out of it. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So <laughs> no matter what, you're going to be guided all the way there, and you can really realize in some ways it's out of your hands. And now that you know it's out of your hands, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, my mantra, again, in, we language differently, but I think we're coming from the same space, and this will be, uh, this is the premise of my first adult book that I'm endeavoring to write, almost done here. Uh, but it's really, you know, go unfuck yourself. You know, seriously, yeah. just go unfuck yourself because we we do this to ourselves. You know, yes, things yeah. unforeseen happen to us all the time. Uh, that's life, and that's going to be dangling in our faces till the day that we die. However, you know, we hold on to this stuff or we take it, we, we cling to this as if this is something that we need to further entrench and, and dampen our souls and dampen our spirits rather than, as you say, release it. Get the message, release yeah. it, and, and just, you know, go from there. So, yeah, I, I'm all about go and fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And here's another uh, one other thought. That's, that's, I love that. Here's another thought that might help people. If you're in any difficult decision, date uh, my girlfriend, Christy, because she has, is so brilliant. So I, I don't know if she's available because she's with me now, but being with her has been amazing. So if anyone has a chance, they got to date Christy Harden because she's <laughs> a girlfriend of her. <laughs> well, maybe we bring her on to radio then. Actually, you should. She's yes. Brilliant. She's an author okay. too, and she's a speaker. But she, I just have found that I had believed all of last year that a relationship is in competition with my purpose. And as you so I, I really did a great job of building myself and my my single powers and and being able to run my entire ship by myself. And sometimes you finally get to a place where that every time everything we need to learn eventually will run its course and then you'll need to learn the next thing. Mm-hmm. And for the first time a relationship actually is expansive for me beyond the story of me. And so I've been, have, we've both been in that same situation and it's been really wonderful because, um, I don't know, sometimes it's really nice to be seen even beyond the level you see yourself. And yes. So, and Beautiful. I was kidding, no one else can date her. <laughs> <laughs> we know that, Kyle. We know that. Yeah. But listen, I'm calling. Everyone's gonna, I'm gonna date her. Yes, but please relate to her that she's more than welcome to appear as a guest on my show. You've got all my contact information. So, you know, if, if you're Absolutely. raving about her and I'm raving about you, then she's got to be pretty spectacular. So we'd love to give her the opportunity to engage uh, with the audience here. But uh, unfortunately, I'm always cognizant of time when we get to the bottom of the hour. It always goes way too quickly for my liking. Uh, but, Kyle, if you could just let the listeners know, where can people find you and what's upcoming? Where's your book? Uh, what, yes. ve- what venues are still available for ticket purchases, all that kind of yummy stuff. You got it. So the book actually comes out, it's called, it comes out May, uh, 2017. It's called I Hope I Screw This Up. And <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's so crazy. It's so awesome and it's so funny. And it's, it'll be out with Simon and Schuster and I'm thrilled about it. Our videos have gotten 70 million views in the last, um, year or so. Um, we've hit really hard and, and the, the following is getting amazing and we're doing enormous events and people can see me, uh, doing my thing on stage all over YouTube and on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Kyle page. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And if you just type in my name in Facebook, you'll see it. Uh, there's a check mark next to it. That's how you know. Check mark means I'm famous. Verification. Um, so, <laughs> you got verification. You got external verification. Right. I got external verification, so now I know that I'm somebody. Yeah. Um, Let it go. Yeah. So, so there's a, so there's a million there's a million things like that. Um, but people, if they really want to see something crazy, come experience our evolving out loud event. These events are two-day events, 1,400 people in a theater. I come out, and I start at 10 a.m., and I start talking, and I have no idea what I will say for two days. I love and that. And because of that, the, and, and, and there's a two us's. There's the you that, that doesn't know which restaurant to go to, and there's another you that can give someone advice for two hours that you could have written a book with. <laughs> and. And I always say that we're doing that because we're giving advice to ourselves. So Evolving Out Loud is literally the advice part of me giving myself advice through the audience. And what happens is it comes through so truthfully because it's actually my discovery that the audience shifts so fast with me. And people come up onto the stage and we get out of their head. But I've also been a comic for 25 years, so it's also really funny and fun and playful. And if they go on my Facebook page, they can see the trailer for the event. If you look at the one called Welcome to Deep Down mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. But, you know, as we keep going, the event gets crazier and crazier and better and better and better. So they can go to evolvingoutloud.com to see all that stuff, too. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure, you know, and there's 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 no ego attached to this statement, but because I'm such a huge diehard fan of yours, uh, Kyle, you know, I'm sure some of the numbers that you've seen come through with views and listenership and whatnot, I've shared your stuff over and over, and, and that was long before you were gracious enough to have agreed to come on my show and me ramping it up. So I just, you know, well, thank because you. I... Well, and I, I believe that. I, I believe, you know, when you when you tap into something that you've gotten value out of that has perhaps shifted you and altered your life, uh, to me, it's our inherent responsibility to share all that yummy stuff with everyone, which is why I've shared your content for I don't even know how long, repeatedly, consistently, um, because for what I've gotten out of it, for what it's done and resonated with me, I only want to impart that to other people. So, um, well, so thank I just, you for that. Well, it's true. It's true. So I just want to say that uh, this has been absolutely lovely. I know that your schedule is completely off the hook, and the fact that you found time of all weekends, all weekdays going into Thanksgiving weekend, I just want to say uh, I'm very honored. I'm very touched, uh, very grateful to you, Kyle, that uh, you fit me and the listeners in on this uh, busy day. So I just – I. Yeah, it really, really means a lot to me. You've been a very intangible mentor to me. I've, I've sponged up so much. I've learned so much. Um, and so it's always kind of, you know, to borrow Oprah's term, an aha moment when I actually have the opportunity and the privilege to connect with one of my intangible mentors on radio. So thank you. Wow. Well, thank you for having me. That's really, it's really beautiful and it's an honor to be on. Thank you. Well, and I certainly wish you all the best, and I can't wait to get my hands on that yummy book that's coming out in May 2017. I'm so excited. uh, Crazy. It's really, it's really crazy. It's so funny and bizarre and just, (laughs) 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 we, we wrote it and we were wondering, like my friend Dan and I, Dan helped me structure it and stuff, and we sent it to Simon and Schuster, and we got the edits back yesterday, and I'm not kidding, four edits, like four sentences were off, and we were just like, did wow. they read how crazy it is, or did they? And I think we just, it's so weird and bizarre, and 
funny and it's just insane that like I think they were just like the Simon and Schuster editors were just like I'm just not even gonna like we're, we can't even enter this. Just right, <laughs> right. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, that's yes. a testament to the authenticity of the writing and how that leapt off the pages. So congratulations mm. on all your success. More importantly than success, congratulations on just being you and just loving your life. I think that's just, I mean, wow. You've, you've accomplished more than a lot of people for the fact that you've stepped into that and you've owned it. So congratulations you. to you on everything. Uh, I will continue to follow you. I will continue to share all your yummy stuff as it's uh, upcoming. And um, and yes, please throw your girlfriend my way. We'd love to have her and share her with the listeners. Um, but I just want to say, yes, absolutely. So I just want to say to uh, the listeners, I once again want to thank you for your loyal listenership. Would not be here without you. Uh, you know, the podcast subscription is going through the roof. Uh, you can find me on iTunes. Uh, of course, Kyle's show, our show here, will be found on iTunes as well. Uh, I go live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific here on my show, Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Again, listenership is 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for I, uh, millions of iTunes downloads. So for anybody who would wish to connect, if you have any questions about my guest, uh, anything that you would like to suggest in terms of who you would like to see me bring back on radio or to introduce to radio for the first time, I'm all ears. I, I really try to appeal and appease to what the listeners want. This is your hour to shine and to get quality content uh, from people such as Elsie's. So please feel free to reach out to me at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. McDonald is spelled M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. Alternatively, you can reach me at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com. Look forward to connecting with you next Friday. I wish everybody a safe and lovely weekend. Love and gratitude. You take care, Carl. All my best. Bye-bye, everybody. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. For more information about Lisa, go to her website, lisamcdonald.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.